Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sarah. And I'm Beth. We're lawyers, mothers, and co-hosts of the bipartisan podcast, Pantsuit Politics. We have more in common than divides us. In a world that defaults to false dichotomies, we explore the messiness of living wisely. The choices, trade-offs, priorities, and grace of living a nuanced life. Hello and welcome to The Nuance Life. We took a week off, so we're happy to be back with you this week. And we have some really amazing commemorations. Before we start those, we wanted to share that Pantsuit Politics will be celebrating its fourth birthday at the beginning of November. And we didn't plan this. It just worked out that we will also be wrapping up our Nuance Nation tour with our final stop in Dallas. So you should come out and see what we do in person and meet us. We stay to greet every person and take a selfie with every person after the show. So the link is in the show notes. Come out and see us. One of the most fun parts of that after show time is people saying, I'm the person who sent this commemoration. And so we're going to dive into our commemorations today. First is an anonymous commemoration from someone who is learning to be okay with being in the unknown. This listener has been thinking about having a second child. Her partner is not exactly thrilled about that. After some hard conversations, they understand each other better but don't have additional clarity. She said, I'm commemorating the fact that over the past few months I've gotten comfortable with both. I want to have or adopt another child, and I may never do that. I love my husband and my daughter more than any imaginary family of four I've pictured, and I'm happy to live this life while also continuing to talk about possibilities of growing our family. This has all started coming together in my brain and my heart last Friday, the remainder of the High Women album downloaded, and the first song to shuffle was My Only Child. So here is the thank you. Thank you, Sarah. And of course, the High Women for pushing this beautiful song into my life at exactly the right moment. I was a puddle when I heard it. Lately, all I've heard are all of the negative only child stereotypes. So to hear such a beautiful tribute to a mother's feelings about her only child was exactly what I needed. Thank you for commemorating all of Likes, Peaks, and Valleys. Your work means so much to me. Oh, my God, I have so many thoughts. I have all the thoughts about this. First of all, I feel her. I jokingly, but mostly seriously, say I had to talk my my husband into every single child we had (laughs) because he came from a big family and he did not want a big family. And I am an only child and I desperately wanted a lot of family or a lot of kids. And, you know, I loved being an only child as a kid. I do not enjoy it as an adult. I'll just be honest. And so I had all these emotions and expectations. You add on top of that um, my sort of gender disappointment because I really, really wanted a little girl, which never happened. And still, I think there's something for me that I that I hold on to the idea of maybe if like my husband is hardcore dead set. We're done. No more kids. But there's always a back of the back of my mind until I can actually not have children anymore. That door is always sort of cracked for me. I think it's something about. I think there's like a cultural thing going on here that, you know, reproduction is such a huge part of the cultural message we see around women's values. So I think like being of reproductive age, there's like a lot of cultural societal junk mixed in with that. Also, I just becoming a mother was 
such a huge part of my sort of self-development that it's really important to me. I love my kids. I love being a mother. Now, I joke and say I would have a million babies if they didn't turn into three-year-olds because that is not my favorite part of the process. But um, I love being pregnant. I love giving birth. And so, like, facing the idea that that would be over forever for me is really hard. Like, there's just a lot going on there, man, for all of us, I think. We just got back from Nebraska, and we had a wonderful dinner of Indian food in Nebraska and talked a lot about this topic of just we don't want career to be our whole identity. We don't want being a mom to be our whole identity. There are women for whom being a mom is just never going to be part of the equation. You don't Mm -hmm. want marriage to be your whole identity. So what is it? And we've always had these shortcuts over time. What those shortcuts has changed. This started because, Sarah, you were talking about a quote, I think from Lady Bird Johnson, about how being married to the president was the sum total of her identity, even more so than being a mom. Is that Am I getting that right? Um, it's when Lady Bird later in life was doing an interview with her daughter. And she was saying, the need for women to have their individual identity belongs to your generation, not mine. Even in hindsight, she could not acknowledge her need for a true identity. She was a married woman in the 1950s, a member of the silent generation. To oppose her husband in the era of conformity would have been the equivalent of spitting at herself in the mirror. I mean, that's intense. (laughs) It's just really intense. It is. And all those roles, I think that the sort of discussion we had is for women in the 50s, it was about being married. And I think you can make the case now that in our current culture— especially like in the 80s and 90s, but I argue even today, that shifted to the role of being a mother. Like that is the one that people cannot delineate from themselves. Like that is so wrapped up in all of our individual identities. I think about the Jacqueline Kennedy quote all the time, if you bunkle raising your kids, nothing else matters. And so, of course, the idea that like the decision to have more children or to only have one child is so wrapped up in all those cultural messages about being a mother as being central to your identity. And it's just confusing. I think it's really confusing Mm -hmm. where our ideas are coming from, what's really important. It's hard to keep in mind that there's just not a right way or a wrong way to have a family. I think so many of us grow up with such hardened expectations or examples that we really want to emulate or we really don't want to emulate. It's just not a right or wrong way to do this. It also helps me to keep my therapist advice in mind that sometimes when you feel like you want to have another baby, what you really just have is a bunch of creative energy and you need to create something. That's not always a person. Sometimes it's a person, but it's not always. It's the same kind of energy. And so I try to remember that. But, you know, however this turns out for this listener and her family, I am sure they are going to have a beautiful future because being able to talk through this so openly, I think, is the most important thing. My husband doesn't call it pent-up creative energy. He calls it a biological trick. So every time a child, especially with Felix, because we were thinking like, okay, we're done. We really don't have any more kids. And then they start to get older, especially like four-ish, five-ish, and they lose that baby weight. And we're like, you missed their little fat baby face and old fat baby legs. And we were talking about it. My husband was like, it's a trick. Biology and evolution is trying to trick us. And we cannot fall for it. It's true. I think in those moments when your kids are just, like, wonderful and you don't think too much about your body and what it went through during pregnancy Mm -hmm. and all of that, there's just a moment where you're like, we could do this again. Yeah, you totally do. That's exactly. You're like, I could do this. It's like it's this crazy mix of huge philosophical 
conversations about identity and cultural messages and also just the most pragmatic day-to-day enormous impact on your everyday life. So it's like all the things at once. I would just like to say that I, too, have been thinking about the high women a lot, in particular, (laughs) redesigning women. The lyrics from that just come at me at the most random moments. But I think that this commemoration and how I was vacuuming my living room the other day thinking about redesigning women speaks to the importance of women creating art when they have that creative urge, because I feel like the cultural contribution of that album has not even scratched the surface of what it's going to mean to people. Agreed. All right. Next up, we're going to hear from Caitlin, who's also commemorating a change at the other end of life spectrum. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come right back. Did you? Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Do you know that the first 1,000 days from conception until age 2 have been identified by scientists as the most important period of a human's life for nutrition. And yet, all the baby food pouches you see at the grocery store are shelf-stable, highly processed, and full of sugar. What you feed your baby when they first start solids affects their palate, health, and well-being for the rest of their life. But who has time to cook every single meal from scratch? We're all looking for convenient hacks and shortcuts that give us time back, but you shouldn't have to sacrifice on quality, especially when it comes to your kids. Yumi is a new brand that offers parents a better option. Fresh, nutrient-dense superfoods for your baby that are made with clean ingredients and shipped right to your doorstep every week. As a busy parent, we all know how hard it can be to find time to cook every meal. So Yumi is a worry-free option that helps make mealtime just a little bit easier. We got a shipment of Yumi, which tastes really good. Even my four-year-old really liked it. And I thought back to the many, many tiny plastic containers that I spent every Sunday making of food for my kids when they were this age, and I was so jealous that Yumi was not around at that point. Head to HelloYumi.com and enter promo code LIFE for $60 off your first month of Yumi. Caitlin wants to commemorate challenging yourself to change at any age. She has left journalism after almost 40 years to begin a career in grant writing. She was out of work for a while, and she also took up running and has been entering 10Ks for the first time, even though she never thought of herself as an athlete or runner. She says, I am 61 years old, and I am now a grant writer and a runner, two identities I could not have imagined a year ago. While I was unemployed, I learned that I'm not ready to retire, and I love being around people. I devoted time to developing a more gentle approach to individual situations and people— Listening to you guys was a huge help. And I learned that my body is capable of maintaining a pace of 12 minutes and 46 seconds per mile. I came in 28th out of 50 women in my age group, 60 to 64. The first place finisher in my division was 63 years old and ran at a pace of eight and a half minutes per mile. 
I'm watching women of my age and older taking over corporations, running for president, conducting important research projects, and adding a new dimension of character in the film and television industries. We are leading the way for women of your generation, and I can only imagine how powerful Jane and Ellen and their friends will be 60 years from now. I am proud to celebrate that at 61, I am smarter, healthier, and much more self-aware than I ever was in my 20s and 30s. I do not fault my 20-year-old self. I simply recognize that it took six decades of living life to get me here. Some days I stumble, figuratively and literally, and I'm confident in my ability to get up and keep running. Bravo, Caitlin. I know! She says it's the best emails. The way she writes about everything from, like, politics or cultural stuff, this commemoration and the fact that she was like, you know what? I'm going to, like, take on two totally new things. Does not surprise me at all. It is exactly the type of attitude I want to channel as I age. I mean, I see this a lot with my own grandmother who really believes in the idea that, like, the more you adopt the attitude as getting older doesn't limit me, then the younger at heart you stay. So my grandmother was, like, really big on, you know, pushing herself. Do we all think she pushes herself too hard sometimes? Yes, we do. But it's hard to deny that it's, like, really a part of the fact that she is 82 and still lives by herself, still travels and still does all these things because she really—you never hear her say, like, well, I can't do that or I'm, you know, I don't do that kind of thing anymore or I'm too old to do that. She just doesn't. Like, she refuses to accept that. She's just going to keep doing and keep changing and keep trying. And I think that really, really is powerful and it keeps you young. I believe that. I love the part of this commemoration where she says that she's smarter and healthier and more self-aware than in her 20s and 30s because I think there's such pressure on us, especially in our 30s, maybe our 40s too, to just get everything right, to just be nailing life now, right? We're adults, Mm -hmm. we're mothers, we're professionals, whatever it is. Like, we ought to really have it by the time we reach 40. And I see this all the time. I think that there's so much to be said for, like Caitlin writes, the six decades it takes to get you somewhere. The other thing this makes me think about, and I recognize we're not on pantsy politics right now, but we are so critical of politicians who are impacted by life experience that prompts them to change in some way. I've been especially observing this during the Democratic presidential primary. People even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Who have changed or softened or backed away from positions are always accused of doing so because of focus groups or political expediency or trying to break through. And there's some truth, I'm sure, to some of that. I really wish that we as a culture valued when people have life experiences that cause them to change or cause them to grow or cause them to learn something or to be a runner, even though they weren't a runner before, whatever it is. You know, I want to keep moving forward in my life. And that will look like putting some things behind me and embracing some new ones. I hope I keep doing that like Caitlin's doing. And I think that to be able to allow that to happen in yourself, it's good to practice 
recognizing and celebrating that in other people instead of constantly associating that change with something negative, which we do a lot. You know, we label a lot of changes that people make as crises in their lives. This is a midlife crisis, this is a quarter-life crisis, whatever. Sometimes people are just growing and living their lives, and I think that's wonderful. We will be right back after this short message from our sponsor. Tis the season to elect benefits through your workplace. Most people know open enrollment as decision time for healthcare coverage. It's also the perfect moment to reassess your life insurance needs. To properly provide for their families, most people need 10 times the life insurance coverage than they get through their jobs, which means that your employer life insurance is leaving you underinsured. That's where Policy Genius can help. Policy Genius is the easy way to shop for life insurance plan that's not tied to your job. In minutes, you can compare quotes from top insurers to find your best price. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and red tape. The life insurance you buy through Policy Genius stays with you even if you leave your job. So when you're looking at your workplace benefits this month, make sure to double check your life insurance options. Then go to policygenius.com to get quotes and apply in minutes. Policy Genius, the easy way to compare and buy life insurance. Priya wrote to us to commemorate a realization she had today during Zumba, and I love this. She writes, in this class, there are typically three rows of students with the teacher at the front. At first, I was deeply irritated by a woman dancing right in front of me in between two rows and in what I originally considered my personal space. I even debated asking her to move forward a few steps partway through the class. Only later on did I begin to consider my thoughts as a parallel to the struggle underpinning society today, the need for each person to be in their right spot. Maybe this woman could see the teacher from a few steps forward, felt more comfortable where she was, or didn't even realize her current positioning. When thinking about it that way, I no longer felt inconvenienced. I wanted to commemorate each moment every day when we allow another individual a little space to live their life a little better. Whether it be an immigrant or a refugee coming to the U.S., a transgender person choosing to use their bathroom of choice, a person with a disability needing an accommodation at work or in a public place, or paying slightly higher taxes to benefit the elderly or the sick, We can all stand to make a small, somewhat meaningless, to us, trade-off if it allows someone else to live a better life. There is also something I will take into the next phase of life. As I entered marriage just a few weeks ago and will consider every day how I can allow my husband's space to live, his life, to his contentment as well. I love this. It's so hard to convey to people how empowering this very subtle mental shift can be. It's like you can't—oh, it's just so hard. You just want to— invite people into your mind when you do this for the first time and realize like, oh my gosh, I was banging my head against a wall when I could have, oh, I don't know, just walked around the wall. There's another great visual Lori Gottlieb uses, and maybe you should talk to someone, the therapy memoir by a therapist, which I highly recommend. And she talks about like, it's a little cartoon and the woman's holding the jail bars, like the bars of the cell. And then you scan out and you realize like she can just There's no walls like she can just walk around the door of the cell. And I think like this mental realization that, you know, it is a psychological condition, the attribution error where we think other people's behavior is because they're bad people. But our behavior is because we're suffering under all these external circumstances. (laughs) But it's like once we're aware of it and once you can really take a beat and respond and like recognize that attribution error in yourself, it really is so freeing. 
somewhat relatedly, this reminded me of the Krista Tippett interview with Alonda Baton that I talked about way too much when I first listened to it, but still <laughs> keeps coming up for me. He was talking to her about love and about loving relationships. And he said that one of the best things you can do in a loving relationship is to look at your partner in that relationship like you look at a child. Because with kids, when they're acting badly, we think, oh, they're probably hungry or tired. And we search for the causes of that behavior. And with our partners, when they're acting badly, we just think they don't love me or they're insufferable or or whatever. We don't go to maybe he's tired or hungry or whatever. And I think that when you're able to extend that view of just looking at everybody the way you look at kids, understanding that there, there are needs there and there are different capabilities in different moments, You can be so much gentler in the world. Another side effect, because I really try hard to practice this, I've noticed that the more I look at other adults and see those kinds of needs, like Priya's identifying here, the more I also see their beauty and their joy. Like, I was behind a woman on an airplane over the weekend who heard some music playing on the plane and, like, just kind of started dancing around the aisle. It was very subtle, but you could see how much she connected with that music and how it was just almost involuntary, how much she kind of moved with it. And I thought, wow, that is amazing. And I'm so happy that I get to watch her do that. Like I thought about it, not in a condescending way, but in that way that you appreciate your kids when they do things like that. And I like being able to feel that way about strangers. I like that so much better than seeing everyone around me as annoying and intolerable. And I feel like that capacity and what Priya has described here so speaks to being able to distance yourself from your own thoughts enough to notice what's going on in them. Yeah, I mean, I have jokingly said before that for the first 10 years of my marriage, anytime I fought with my husband, I thought, well, he doesn't love me and we should get divorced. It was torture. I couldn't get outside of the emotion that I, you know, I felt in that moment because he was disagreeing with me or because he was angry with me that he didn't love me. And clearly those emotions were true. Um, Whereas now I say emotions are relevant, but that doesn't mean they're reality. And listen, I'm not even great with that with my kids. I can definitely get in a headspace when I'm tired and frustrated where I feel like my kids are out to get me and not just responding to their own emotional cues. But I mean, it was life changing when I had that realization about my husband and our marriage. And I still, you know, I'm working on it. We've been together Gosh, 16 years married, but 19 years as a couple. And it's taken me a solid like 14 to 15 to realize that my husband really has seasonal affective disorder, y'all. It is so bad. He's tan. He is an Italian of heritage. And the change in the light in the winter really, really gets to him. And like this year is the first year we really like had a plan in place. And we're like aware this is a thing that happens to you. And this has been like the best, easiest, fewest fights had fall ever. So that capacity to say, okay, I see what's going on with Nicholas and the sunshine. I want to see what's going on in my mind about the woman who's not in her right spot in Zumba. I want to be able to fall in love with the woman dancing down the aisle on the airplane. You know, all of those things come from just listening to that internal chatter so that you can turn it to a different frequency, right? And just be holding people the way that you do hold the people that you love the most and that you have the most grace for. And I just think it's a skill worth remembering. I mean, if we did nothing else in the nuanced life but remember that skill and keep trying to practice it, it would be worthwhile. 
Well, I think a good place to end is in the immortal words of one Casey Musgraves in one of my favorite country songs of all time, Biscuits. She says, I wouldn't know about the rocks in your shoes, so I'll do me. And honey, you can just do you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Nuance Life. Keep your commemorations coming on Pantsy Politics this Friday. We'll be catching up on the news. We hope you'll join us there, and we'll be back here with you next Wednesday. Keep it nuanced, y'all. Dylan Garvin produces The Nuance Life. Elise Knapp is our managing director. The Nuance Life is listener-supported. Go to patreon.com slash thenuancelife. For $5 each month, you'll receive an entire bonus episode of The Nuance Life. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. Dylan Garvin is the composer and performer of our ad music. For more information about The Nuance Life and to connect with us through our weekly email, visit pantsuitpoliticsshow.com.